Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Grab your Bibles and remain standing. Damien, can you hand me my stuff right there? Damien, can you grab that? I left that at the edge of the stage, please. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. some people that know what it means. Thank you, baby. I will preach because you said so. Just because you said it, I got to do it. Keep that same energy. So, of course, I've been here several times and, you know, I thank God for the opportunity to preach. But I want y'all to know that as much as I love to preach, preaching is not all that I enjoy. 
One of the things that I enjoy probably more than I should, but don't y'all judge me because I still know how to do what I do, is I enjoy watching television. Anybody like me, you just enjoy TV? Some of y'all too deep. Just raise your hand. I already know. You ain't even got to laugh for nobody on your row. You like watching TV, okay? Bet. Thank you. And, I, and I'm in a good season right now. I'm in a good season because power is back on. I don't know if, what that means to anybody in the room, but power, my favorite or one of my favorite shows is back on right now. And, you know, it's funny because me and my wife, we just have two totally different tastes in TV shows. She's actually binge watching a show that I stopped because it was too boring for me. But she can't get over this show. So I thank God I just threw her under the bus, too. We like TV in the Cooper household. And, and so I enjoy television. But even though I mentioned Power and I mentioned some other shows, I really have a wide range of shows that I like to watch. I mean, I, I'm one of those people. I can appreciate culture. I can appreciate different types of shows. I love different genres. Now, one of the things, I love comedy. I love to laugh. I believe that life should be enjoyed and not endured. I believe that you could just live a little bit longer for some of us if we just smiled a few seconds longer just in our life. As a matter of fact, just come on and smile with me just for a moment. There we go. Okay, cool. You just lived a little bit longer. So I enjoy different genres, comedy. I enjoy drama. I, I love some good drama. If I watch Power, you obviously know that. Um, I like action, really. It, it just doesn't matter, fellowship. What I'm trying to tell you is I enjoy entertainment. And um, as much as I enjoy entertainment, there are different genres, there are different styles. There's something that is consistent no matter what show you're watching. No matter what genre you're watching, whether it's a movie, whether it's a show, there's something that I know to be consistent regardless of that genre, and that is there is a main character in that show. We can agree on that. But here's something else that we recognize. No matter who the main character is, they always deal with some type of conflict. Yeah, it's amazing, though, that even though they deal with some type of conflict, it's so interesting. Every show is setting up the main character. Every show is positioning the main character for them to be important in our eyes. But no matter what season you're on, no matter what episode you're on, no matter what genre you are watching, at some point in time, the main character will face some type of conflict. It, you know, here's what... It, is understood conflict really makes the show worth watching yeah if there were no conflict if there were no tension if there was nothing in that particular show or movie that would challenge the main character it would not be something worth watching why am i bringing this to your attention this morning i'm bringing it to your attention fellowship because i believe that the best script writers are inspired by scripture and if you study, no matter who your favorite biblical character is in the Bible, you will understand that there is always some type of conflict that they are facing. And maybe you can say, Pastor Cooper, I don't need to watch TV. I don't need to read the word as much to understand this one principle. There's some conflict that I find myself facing even in my own life. Is there anybody in the room today that can say, I appreciate the long introduction, but all you had to do was tell me that in my own life, I will experience some type of conflict. I, I can't today because I want to challenge what your perspective on conflict is. I, I, I don't want you to view conflict with a negative connotation. Although it may be a negative 
action. It may be a negative experience. It may be a negative environment. But what I want you to understand is that God uses conflict. Can you just help me preach for a few moments and look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God uses conflict. I, 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 I would love to tell your fellowship that it is the devil that just comes from hell with his pitchfork and puts problems and tragedies and challenges in your life. But what I have found to be true, you don't even have to guess or wonder, I have found this to be true, that sometimes the greatest environments where I have experienced conflict is because God allowed conflict to come in my life. Okay, I can't leave you right there. I'm going to come get you. The reason why God uses conflict is because conflict produces context. Point number one, conflict produces context. What, what do you mean? If there were no problems, there would be no answers. If there were no problems, there would be no solutions. And I want somebody to know that God is literally using the conflict that you are experiencing in your life to produce the context that you've been praying for. Can somebody just take a moment and just worship right there because for somebody the light bulb just came off. Now you understand why I've been going through. Now I understand why I'm in this tension. Now I understand why God is doing this. He's not doing this to me. He's doing this for me. I want somebody to understand that God is using the conflict in your life to produce the context. Watch this. Even the conflict that you caused, God says, I'm still using it to produce the right context. It's amazing to me how many people will come up and say, I want a miracle. It's amazing how many people can say, I want a blessing. But what you must understand is that in order to be a candidate for a miracle, you have to be in a situation that requires a miracle. And so many people want the situations to just be worked out without going through the process of working it out. But I came to Fellowship Church to let somebody know that the conflict is producing the context. God is using this to produce the context. The problems in your life are portals for your life. The problems in your life are portals for your life. For some of you, you've got it all wrong. You've been praying, asking God to remove the problem when God sent the problem to move you. I'm going to say that again. You've been asking God to remove the problem. I feel like preaching if y'all just help me. And when God said, I sent the problem to move you. Yeah, see, you've gotten too comfortable and too relaxed in the environment that you were in. So much so that you have not produced everything that I put on the inside of you. So I have to use this conflict to produce the context. The very thing that you feel like in your life has caused God to forget about you is the very thing that God sent so that you can know he has your attention. The thing that you thought, you've been saying, God, you don't see me over here. When God said, I sent that right there so that you could see me. Some of us are looking at God saying, God, you don't see me. But God is saying, I never had your attention until I sent the problem. Point number two, conflict produces the character. Because what good is it for you to be in a context if you don't have the character to sustain the very thing that you've been asking for? 
So God uses conflict to produce a context that will produce character. Everybody shout character. It's amazing how so many people want context without character, but you cannot have the context if you have not yet developed the character. God does not want you to enter into a place in your life where you find yourself getting blessed only to run into a wall, only to figure out that you don't have what it takes to keep it. Can I just stop right here and just prophesy to somebody and let you know that your life is in fact getting ready to change. I want you to know that God is getting ready to shift the things in your life. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. I did not say your season is getting ready to change. I didn't say your time is getting ready to change. I said your life is getting ready to change. So in order for God to change your life, he has to change what you have known as normal in your life so you can be ready for what he wants to release. Conflict produces the character. Conflict produces context is God setting it up. Conflict, conflict producing character is God setting you up. What good is it for God to set this thing up for me if I'm not even ready to walk into it? Some of you in this room today, you may be even at this point. You're looking at this year, and you've been saying, it seems like this year is not going to go the way I thought it was going to go. Could it be that God has been using all of the time that you thought was wasted as the weighted point in your life so that he could change what's in your life? What you thought was a wasted season, God said, is a weighted season. It is a season where I am putting the strength that is necessary on the inside of you. What you thought was just time passing you by. God sent me here to let somebody that really needs this in your spirit to understand that God said, I have strategically placed this moment in your life as the moment that will set you up for the very things that you have been asking and preparing and waiting for. If you can tell, I've had a few quality meals in my life. And uh, the best meals that I've ever had are the meals that took some time for me to wait for. I'm not a microwave pop it in there, microwave dinner person. I married a woman who was trained by a mother who came from the deep south. Amen. And that girl knows how to cook. So I appreciate, I have learned how to appreciate the process of waiting because the best meals, the best things that you could ever experience, they have to come through the process of waiting. And some of you in this room today, you have found yourself wasting seasons and time that should have been beneficial. Instead of worrying about the fact that I'm hungry, you should have been productive until the meal gets ready. Instead of worrying about the fact that I need something to eat. You should have said, you know what? This is a quality meal. Let me make it for you. This is a quality season. This is a quality point in your life. For some of you, you've been waiting for this moment your entire life. And if you've been waiting for this moment, what good is it to come to the moment only to find out you're not ready? How dangerous would it be for God to give it to you? Some of us are asking God to do for us what we wouldn't even do for our own children. You, you, you hold your children back because you don't want them to hurt themselves too soon, but get mad at God when he's trying to hold us back so we don't wreck our own lives. 
We have to understand that God has a process in God's way, even though it may not feel like it. I want you to know that God's way is better. Can you just bother your neighbor for, I think, the second or third time and tell your neighbor that God's way is better? It's better. It, it, I, I've just learned. I've had plans. I've had ideas. I've had strategies. But I just come to tell you, Fellowship Church, that God's way is better. So God uses conflict to produce character. And the disciples in our text today that we're introduced to, quite frankly, did not understand the context and the character that conflict was producing. The Bible says that it starts off with Jesus saying, he looked at the disciples. He dismissed them from the crowd. He said, go get into the boat and go to the other side. What was the instructions? Get in the boat and go to the other side. Everybody say, get in the boat, in the boat. and go to the other side. That's all Jesus said. You know what's interesting? What I've learned about God, he will tell you about the boat and he'll tell you about the other side, but he won't tell you about the middle. All right. Get in the boat and go to the other side. That's all I need to tell you. I know y'all are in this series right now about management and managing your life. And if you're going to win in life, one of the things that you must understand is the significance of managing the middle. Right. How you manage the middle will determine the end. How you manage the middle, it will determine the end. I believe that for some of us, the reason why certain things have ended the way they ended, not because it was not God's will for it to happen, but because God was waiting on us to manage the middle correctly. And how you manage the middle will determine the end. In other words, if I want to walk from here to that door in the back, the only way I can get there if I choose to walk in this room is to walk through the process of all of these chairs and some of us are walking in the middle but we're getting stuck in the middle I'll never make it to the door if I come into a row and sit down and some of us in the room we have gotten confused we've gotten stuck and we've been stagnant and stale in a season that God never wanted us to be in too long because we've gotten stuck in the middle but if you are going to produce the purpose that God has placed in your life you must understand how to manage the middle come here Israel and tell fellowship how God delivered you out of Egypt and he wanted you to get to the promised land but you could not manage the middle come here and let them know how it was not God's will for you to miss out on the promise but because you could not remain focused on what God had for you you were stuck and even died in the middle and I want to speak life into somebody in the room today and let you know that it is not the will of God for you to die in the middle. You may be in the middle, but we're going to walk you to the door today. I believe that it is not the will of God for you to be stuck in the middle. It is not the will of God for my life to be in a cycle on repeat. I enjoy certain songs, but after a while, we got to press next. And some of you are sitting there stuck in a song, in a cycle, in a season, because you just won't be willing to play next. Come here, Ariana, and tell them thank you next. I, I appreciate everything that you've done for me. I appreciate the phase that I've been in, but some of you need to learn how to press the button that says next. And so here it is, Jesus. Am I doing all right, fellowship? 
Thank you. I need to hear that sometimes. So Jesus now tells them, get in the boat and go to the other side. Now, now watch what's interesting, and, and maybe you've experienced this. They get the word from Jesus. They get in the boat, and everything is going well. <laughs> they get in the boat, and it's smooth sailing. There are no problems. There are no storms. There are no conditions. Everything is going well. For some of you in the room today, you've entered into a word. God has given you a word, and you acted on that word. You said, I'm going to do what God says. And God allowed things to start off smoothly, hear me, so that you could produce the momentum and the confidence to understand that this is still his will. So they get confident. They have momentum. And they're out in the water. And then suddenly, everything shifts. Suddenly, the sun goes away and the clouds get darker. Suddenly, the wind increases. Suddenly, what was clear became foggy. Suddenly, what I thought I knew, does this sound familiar for anybody? Now has become confusing. Suddenly, who I thought was with me now looks like they're against me. Suddenly, who I thought had my back is now in my front pushing me. Suddenly, the very thing that I thought was for me is now against me. Now, watch this, between the declaration, get in the boat, go into the other side, and the destination, there now becomes a decision. The disciples have a decision to make now. The decision is, do we stay faithful and true to the word that Jesus gave us, get into the boat and go to the other side? Or do we abandon that word thinking that maybe God changed his mind? Before I go any further, I just want to remind somebody, God has not changed his mind. The conditions in your life that are surrounding you, watch this, the conditions that are surrounding you do not change the word that is over you. I'm going to say that again. The conditions that are surrounding you do not change the validity of the word that is over you. In fact, when Jesus told them, get into the boat and go to the other side, he already knew that the storm was coming. When Jesus said, get into the boat and go to the other side, he already knew that the conditions were changed. Yes, yes. But he knew if he told them that, they'd never get in the boat. And some of you are trying to figure out, God, why didn't I see them this way? Why didn't I see it this way? Why didn't I see this? The reason why God didn't show you some of the things you've been praying for, your discernment is not off. God just blocked you from seeing it because he knew that you wouldn't be obedient if you saw it. Come here and tell the truth. If I told you right now, go to that door, but somebody on the way to the door is going to punch you in the face, ain't nobody in their right mind is going to say, I'm still going to go the same way. You would think about a different route that you would take to the same door and the reason why Jesus had to put them in the boat and send them to the other side is because he knew they would never go and I wonder how many of us are just like those disciples the reason why God didn't tell you is because he knew you wouldn't do it <laughs> and so here it is now he says get in the boat and go to the other side watch this and now they're faced with a decision what is the decision focus on the problem or do I focus on the promise? Do I focus on the problem that is before me? Or do I focus on the promise that is over me? And many of us are torn in this direction of our focus. Do I focus on the problems 
or do I focus on, Lord, it, I, I know what you said. I, at least I know what I heard. But, but, but right now, it does not look like that word is still the same. And here it is now. You're torn, focusing on problems when you should be focused on promise. Let me tell you something. Fellowship, y'all have an incredible media department. Give it up for your media and creative team here. Let's give it up for them. I mean, y'all are incredible. I mean, literally, some of the best images and capture. I feel like I'm at the Sunday experience even when I'm at home double tapping. But check this out. No matter what, anybody operating these cameras can tell you that if the camera is on the organ, it will never be able to capture me. Let me say that again. If the camera is pointed towards the organ, it will never be able to capture me. That camera has something that's known as focus. And as long as its focus is on the organ, it won't capture me. Can I tell you something? As long as your focus and your lens is towards problems, you'll never be able to capture the promise. And some of us have a decision to make. Even though the problem may be present, it does not mean the problem is not present. It just simply means that even though I have a problem, the problem does not have me. And some of us need to make a decision today. Will I have problems or will the problems have me. I'm not telling you to be unrealistic and to be crazy. I understand that it is natural to be in your feelings. It is natural to see what you see. But at the end of the day, we do not hope as they hope. We do not believe as they believe. We do not see as they see. Even though I may see it, there's still something that's above it. Look at somebody and tell them it's above me. It's above me. There's something that's above it that I may not be able to see, but God is still orchestrating and working and turning this thing. I need about a few more people than her to stand up on your feet just for a moment and give God a praise for the fact that even though the problem may be present, God is still above it. Even though the problem I'm ahead of myself may be present, God is not, he's still in charge. Somebody ought to thank God for the fact that he is not intimidated by your problems. He's not, what's wrong? He's not intimidated. And so if I have access to him, I don't have to be intimidated either. There was some, I was somewhere recently and I was with someone that was the invited guest. I was not the invited guest, but I was able to walk in when that person walk in, walked in. I was able to sit where that person sat, and I was able to eat where he ate. Because even though my name wasn't on the list, his name was on it. <laughs> and it didn't even matter the fact that my name wasn't on the list because I'm with him. Some of y'all just need to understand, it ain't even about you. It's not about your name. Some of y'all just need to let the devil know, I'm with him. You, you can try to keep me off. You can try to keep me out. You can try to keep me away, but you know, I'm with him. I know, I know Hillary used that, but I'm going to use that for this moment and declare, I'm with him. It does not matter what the devil is trying to do because I'm with him. If you focus on the problem, your life will reflect desperation. If you focus on the promise, your life will reflect demonstration. If you focus on the problem, your life will reflect desperation. But if you focus on the promise, your life will re reflect demonstration. Desperation says, I'm in a storm. And now I'm panicking and I'm afraid. They're desperate. 
And one thing you have to understand is desperate people will do anything. If you are desperate, you will do things that you, you have. I never thought I would do this. The only reason why you did it is because you were desperate. If you're desperate enough, you'll do even the things that you thought you would never do. Focus on the problem and your life will reflect desperation. Focus on the promise and your life will reflect demonstration. They're desperate. I'm in a storm. I don't know what to do. And Peter does something. Peter says, you know what? I got to give Peter some credit. See, I'm not bashing Peter. I'm going to preach about Peter and I'm going to give him his props. I admire the fact that Peter got out the boat and stepped on water. But here's one thing that we got to do. We love to celebrate the highlights. But sometimes you got to look at why something happened. And the truth is, as, as courageous as Peter was, and I'm not telling you don't step out the boat because clearly it worked. But here's what I want you to understand. Peter was not walking necessarily on faith. He was walking on grace. It was the grace of God that allowed him to walk when he should not be walking on water. It was not the will of God for Peter to walk on water. You don't believe me. Okay, go to your nearest swimming pool and try to walk on it. You will drown. (laughs) So it is not the, can we just establish that? It's not the will of God for us to walk on water. Are we good on that? Cool. All right, bet. So here it is. Peter is walking now in grace. Because he was desperate. And when you're desperate, you'll do anything. And I want to let somebody know in this room today that even though for somebody that may have made a mistake, because make no mistake about it, it was not faith, it was him. It was Peter that got on the water. Because Peter, watch this, was not even sure that it was Jesus because he started off by saying, if it's you. What if it wasn't? He would have died. So check this out. Peter made the decision to step out uncertain, not knowing if it was even God. But can I let somebody in the room know this? That even for those of you that feel like you're under the condemnation of your own mistakes, over your own missed moments, over your own mishandling of circumstances, I want to preach to you just for a moment to let you know that even if you mishandled previous moments, God is getting ready to bring a moment back to you that you, I know I made a few more people than that. God is getting ready to bring back something to you that you mishandled, something that you squandered. Don't you sit there letting the devil convince you that God has not lifted, that he's lifted his hand off of you. I want you to know that his hand is still on your life. There is still grace for your life. I want you to know that he died especially for this purpose so that his blood would cover and so that he would give you love and give you grace. I know y'all want to condemn people, but can anybody just thank God for grace? Can anybody thank God for the fact that, yes, it was me. Yes, I messed up. Yes, this was my decision. But I thank God for the fact that I'm with him. So even though I may have messed up, even though I may have made a bad call, he still didn't let me fall. God, I thank you for the fact. I thank God for the fact that the reason why I got stuck is because it was me. But Peter, he had enough faith. He had grace, but he had a little bit of faith. If it be you bid me to come. And he heard something and he acted on it. And God says, I'm giving you grace now. Even though this was not the will, you're still mine. Even though me and my wife, we have disagreements at moments. I still don't forget the fact that she's my wife. 
And some of you, you're getting so emotional that you forget certain things. Even though I may not be pleased with the decision that you're making, I'm still sticking by the decision I made. And the decision that I made is that you're mine. And I want you to know that the same fervor that I have about that, God has about you. Even though you may have made the mistake, even though you may have messed up, you're still mine. So I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you drown because my name is on it. Peter, and I'm getting ready to leave Peter because this ain't even about him. I didn't even read this verse. But Peter is a recipient of what Dr. Darius Daniels categorizes as divine exception. It, it, it was a divine exception that allowed Peter to walk on this water. It, it, it was a divine exception, watch this, that even allowed Peter to have clarity to hear Jesus in the midst of all the noise. Some of y'all ought to thank God. That just hit me right there about the very fact that even though it's windy and it's noisy and it's chaotic all around me, no matter how far or how low my life may be, I thank God for the fact that I still have a connection to his voice. I can still hear, Lord, if it be you bid me to come. And I can still hear you saying, come on, son. Some of you ought to thank God for the fact that even though it's chaotic around you, you still got a connection to Jesus. God made a divine exception. And I want somebody to know today that you too are a candidate for a divine exception. If you would just lift your hands, I'm getting ready to preach and we'll be done. And thank God for the fact that God says, I'm making an exception. Things that have never been done are getting ready to be done for you. Things that people did not think were possible is getting ready to happen for you. Somebody in the room ought to thank God for the fact that even though it may not look and seem possible, God is getting ready to make it happen for me. Somebody ought to praise God for the fact that God is getting ready to give you a divine exception. People never started their year this late and still finished on time. People never waited this long and still saw their life change. People in my family, people with my last name, people with my zip code have never done this before, but I prophetically decree and declare that God is making an exception. He's making an exception. He's getting ready to circumvent his own process. God is getting ready to make an exception. We're almost to C-sharp, Marcus. We're almost there. Here it is. Demonstration. So Peter, be honest with you. Peter was desperate. And the, the disciples, while they had desperate moments, still had a measure of demonstration. Okay, what are you talking about, Pastor Cooper? Desperation, and we thank God for getting out the boat. I just preached about it, but let me move back to my argument now. Desperation says get out the boat. But it takes some demonstration to say stay in the boat. Let me explain. Anybody can quit something when it looks like it ain't going to work anyway. But it takes something special on the inside of you to stay right here, even when it looks like this thing is not going to work. Demonstration. 
demonstration says stay in the boat and steer the boat. And I want to let somebody in the room today know that God is looking at you. You may be feeling like you're stuck, but God is saying you are demonstrating the purpose and the plan. Now, while you're stuck in this boat, now you got to steer the boat. You can't be stuck if I'm going to be in this storm. I'm still going to keep it moving. I'm still going to keep rowing. I'm going to still keep working. And the disciples made a decision that they were going to keep steering and keep rowing and keep steering and keep rowing. The wind may be blowing, but I'm still moving. The noise may be strong, but I'm still moving. It may be getting darker and darker and darker, but as long as I can see my hands, as long as I can see the stick, as long as I can see the boat, I'm going to keep on steering. And some of you in the room today, you're getting discouraged because of what you can't see ahead of you. But you need to look down at your hands and say, I still got my hands. I still got my heart. I still am here. So I'm going to keep on steering in spite of what I cannot see. I can't see it all, but I can see this. And some of you, you've been looking ahead, but you need to look down. I dare about 20 people that just look down, just look down. All you have is all you need right there. Just look down. I have what I need to make it, baby. You can act funny if you want to, but I got what I need. You can switch it up on me if you want to, but I got what I need. You can change, boo-boo, but I got what I need. Some of y'all need to look down and realize that everything you have is everything you need. Somebody give God a shout right there. Keep it going, fellowship. What you have, you need. And so here it is. I feel like going there. Here it is now. I'm getting ready, bro. Don't push me. Here it is now. Here it is now. They get there, rowing the boat. I see God. They see Jesus. Lord, is that you? Peter asked Jesus if it was him. Watch this. They automatically assumed it was a ghost. Be careful that even though you're panicking and even though you may be afraid, even though you may be in your feelings, please be careful that you don't mislabel God. Some of us have made the mistake of mislabeling who God is just because we're in a storm. God did not change just because you're in a storm. God did not change just because you're going through. Be careful what you say even when you're going through. It doesn't matter how mad you get. It does not matter how discouraged you are. You literally have the power of your life in your tongue and some of you are speaking the wrong things you don't have to see to speak you can still say what God has said about you and so here it is now I'm getting ready to preach this is it I'm done here it is they see Jesus and watch this the Bible says when we're introduced to Jesus Jesus is walking on the water the reason why we can find Jesus walking on the water is because Jesus was trying to demonstrate to them that even though this storm may be over your head, it's still under my feet. 
I'm done preaching fellowship, but I wanted about 10 people. I could have named this sermon over under to let you know that it may be over your head. It may be above you, but shake your neighbor. Put me in my key. Let's ride, Marcus. Shake your neighbor's hand and let them know that it may be over your head, but it's still under his feet. Come on, stand up. Let's have a little bit of church. Good evening, y'all. I'm done preaching now, but I stopped by here to tell you that you may be going through something in your life, but God wanted me to tell somebody that even though it's over your head, it's still, I feel good under your feet. Would you shake your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, it's still under his feet. It may be above me, but I thank God for the fact that I serve a God who is above what I'm under. They thought that you were going to die, but God walked on that water to let you know that the very thing that was going to take you out is still subject to his voice. The very thing that you thought was going to kill you is the very thing that he said, I'm still over it. But I got to leave. I'm through preaching. But there's one more verse that I got to let you know. Put John chapter 6 verse number 21 on the screen. Because you thought that that was how the story ended. But the Bible says that when they were willing to take him into the ship, the Bible says that immediately, immediately, they were at their destination. Can I tell about 20 people that God is getting ready to make an exception? He is getting ready to give you acceleration for everything that you thought you lost. I will restore the years. I will give you some time back. I'm so glad that the Bible says immediately they reach their destination. Would you shake your neighbor by the hand and let's go back this. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. Y'all ain't doing it. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. Rock them and shake them. Shake them and rock them. And say, neighbor. Neighbor. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, neighbor. Neighbor. Whatever you do, keep that same energy. Keep on believing. Keep on praising. Keep on holding. Keep your faith. Whatever you do, whatever you do, hold on. If you hold on, 
it will work. If you hold on, it will pay off. I don't know who I'm preaching to. You are going to quit, but I stopped by here to tell you, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. God has not forgot about you. God, he sees you. Hold on to your vision. Hold on to your faith. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on to what he said, hold on to what you see, I feel God right there, hold on. Somebody ought to shake your neighbor, grab him by their shoulders, and say, hold on. What you holding on for? I'm holding for my promise. I'm holding on to my faith. I'm holding on to my word. I'm holding on. I've got a promise. He made me a promise. He made me a promise. He made me a promise. Never to leave me alone. I'm through with y'all. But all I want to tell you is hold on. I feel that in my spirit. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Now I just got one question. How do you feel about it right there? You heard from me, but let God hear from you. Somebody ought to praise God right there. How do you feel about it? If that word was for you and you're encouraged to hold on, lift your hands and just give God a praise right there. Give God a praise right there. Hold on, Marcus, hold on. You can even switch to the keys if you want to. Go ahead, brother. We're going to hold it down for you while you do that. Listen, I don't want you right here to be moved by the emotions of this moment. I need some people that can be honest and say, I almost quit what I was believing for. I need the people that felt like you felt when you thought I could take no more of this. I'm getting ready to give you a moment to give God a praise. But I need you to praise God like you've got every ounce of your strength and your joy back. I need you to praise God right here like you know you're going to hold on. So Marcus, whenever you're ready, I want you to give God a praise right there that lets the devil know that I'm still encouraged to hold on. I'm still encouraged to hold on. 
hit the click track. I need to hear it. Because I need a few people in the room that can give God a praise. That can let the devil know that I'm still going to hold on. Let the devil know ain't no quit in me, baby. I'm not done yet. I'm still holding on. Somebody ought to give God a praise that lets the devil know I'm still holding on. You good, baby. Let the devil know I'm holding on right here. Somebody, anybody, give God a praise. Thank you for tuning in today with Fellowship Church. We pray that you were blessed by the message and we would like to connect with you through our website, fellowshipws.org or facebook.com slash at the fellowship. If you are ever in the greater triad area, we would love for you to be our VIP for weekend worship experience on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. On behalf of Pastor Tony and the Fellowship family, thank you again for joining us. And remember to love God, love people, and impact the world.